Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us. Pray that your Holy Spirit will come very close to us now as we talk, as we study. Send us forth with an understanding of the people we need to be in these closing hours of earth's history. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, be careful not to get it reversed. Sounds like a strange title, doesn't it? But I'm going to tell you the world's going to end up in a reversal before it ends. Ellen White. I don't know about you, but I I read Ellen White. I trust Ellen White. I think she was inspired. Was she infallible? I haven't met a human being yet that was. But when the Holy Spirit spoke through her, I believe she spoke the Word of God. Amen. Amen? She says... And notice this, the principle that man can save himself by his own what? Works. Works. Now, I, now you say, Leroy, what are you talking about this for? Well, let me tell you something, folks. Community services is a works-based ministry. Somebody ought to say amen. Amen. What are you doing? You're feeding the hungry. You're clothing the naked, right? Is that wrong? No, that's not wrong. That's not wrong. There's just a little a few nuances that go with this that we've got to understand for our own protection. The principle that man can save himself or herself by their own works lay at the foundation of every heathen religion. Israel was supposed to be separate from that, but you know what? They got caught, didn't they? Do you think spiritual Israel could get caught? It's possible. The foundation of every heathen religion, wherever it is held, men have no barrier against sin. And I've seen this in my short lifetime. Well, it's not so short anymore, I guess. But uh, I've seen people, I mean, they look so perfect on the outside, but there's a lot of problems inside, right? Right. And that's where you and I don't want to go. But we're going to be faced with a challenge. In fact, if you want to look at a heathen religion, you see that 666? That's heathen, right? right? In fact, the Bible tells us, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of signs which it was given to him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. And it was given him to give breath to the <clears throat> image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many to be, as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Now, is this a religion of works? Make an image. Worship the image, right? Do what we tell you or you will be killed. Does that sound like God's way? No. And it was given to him, I think we already went there, and he causes all, the small and the great, the rich and the poor, the free men and the slaves, we get a mark on their right hand or on their forehead, and he provides that no one will be able to buy or to what? Sell. Sell, except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. So, can I say to you that at the end of time, and we're going to get really a little bit more clarity on this, the end of time, when the mark of the beast goes out, there are going to be two camps. There are going to be those who receive the mark and those who receive the seal. You agree with that, right? You're Adventists, right? Those who receive the mark are bowing down and worshiping in accordance with 
state legislated and forced worship. Those who received the seal refused to do that. Correct? Correct. Now this is all Adventism 101. The question is, could God's church in these last days get caught into a salvation by works trip? Now, Adventists, I want to tell you something. You're highly susceptible to that. Yeah. Right? right? You go talk to a Baptist. Yeah. And they're going to tell you, man, you guys are not the legalists. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. I've had them say it to me. I went to a Bible study one night and this guy came in. I was studying with a person. He came in, he was his pastor, and he was down determined he was going to get him away from this crazy Adventist preacher. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, you know, you're nothing but a legalist. And he said that ten times. And I just sat there and looked at him and said, well, I'm just trying to do what God wants. Mm -hmm. You know. He finally got so mad he got up and went out and left. Oh. The guy got baptized, ultimately. But uh, it wasn't without a tussle. And, but that's what they say. Oh, you guys are a bunch of legalists, you know. Well, I want to go to the Scripture. Jesus had six parables, and he talked in six parables to counteract two very dangerous concepts. And these, if you get caught with either one of the two, either one or both of these concepts, you're in trouble. We're in trouble. So, well, I got to go back. Hang on. The two dangerous concepts. Number one, we can earn salvation by our works. Yes or no? You sure? Oh, you better be sure. Number two, we do not need works to be saved. Ah, no, wait a minute. Isn't this an oxymoron? I mean, what do you mean? I can't be saved by my works, but I can't be saved without works. Right? Hmm. How does that work? That's a good question, right? Well, dangerous concept number one. We can earn salvation by our works. Jesus, whoop, there they are, and I just went past them. Hold on. Jesus taught three parables in Luke chapter 15. The parable of the lost sheep. Remember that one? What happened to that sheep? He went looking for one out of 99. He did. Jesus did. But that sheep, he decided he wanted to go out wandering, didn't he? Mm -hmm. You know, the thing about sheep is they're either nearsighted or farsighted. I'm not sure which one. But they can't see far away. That's right. Is that nearsighted or farsighted? Nearsighted. That's nearsighted? Okay. Can't see far away. And so sheep have a tendency, they start nibbling on grass and they start nibbling and nibbling and nibbling and nibbling. And they can see right in front of them, they just keep nibbling until finally they get out so far that they turn around and they can't see anything because they're nearsighted. And that's what happened to this guy. He went wandering off, eating away, got lost. And so, did he get back to the fold? Through Jesus. Through Jesus. Now, did the sheep know he was lost? Eh, probably. He was probably bleating. Yeah, at some point he was. But did the sheep save himself? No. How was he saved? Through Jesus. Through Jesus. So, in the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus teaches that we can get lost, and he's going to have to find us. We don't save ourselves, right? That's right. What about the parable of the lost coin? You remember that one? Yep. What happened there? <clears throat> How many pieces of silver did she have? Ten. You got it. She had ten pieces of silver. Now, I don't know about you, but a piece of silver in those days was worth some money. Yes. The money you have in your pocket isn't worth anything, so forget about it. <laughs> Sorry. 
And quite frankly, as a you know, person into finances, <laughs> I give you a little hint. Get your house paid off, get some land to grow food on, and get ready for tough times because they're going to come. National debt is rolling. Yes. The on-record debt is now $20 trillion. This is a stewardship nugget for you, okay? If I spent a million dollars a day, I'm going to give you a quiz. If I spent a million dollars a day, how long would it take me to spend a trillion dollars? A lot. Oh, yeah, a lot. You have to work at it. Yeah. You might die doing it, actually. <laughs> 2,739 years. Wow, wow. Hey, I've never burns through that in one. Okay? Now, this is stewardship. Now, just, just get ready for that. It's going to come. So... But she loses the coin. Thank you. 739. It turns out to be 2,736. You can correct me later, but it's right there. Okay. You can, you can actually divide it out and find out. Now, the parable of the lost coin, she loses that piece of silver. That's very valuable. What does she do? She goes through and she sweeps and she sweeps and she finds it. And then what does she do? She celebrates. She rejoices. Now, let me ask you a question. Did that coin know it was lost? No. No. It didn't know it was lost. Could that coin save itself? No. No. That coin had to be saved by somebody who loved it. All right. Now, the last one. I don't want to take all the time to read through them, because you know them by heart. The parable of the lost... Son? Son? Think so? How many think how many think it was a lost son? Now you know I'm trying to trick you here. That's not fair. How many of you think it was a lost sons? Ah, how many don't think? Uh, this time of day you might not do that. Parable of the lost son. He grows, the kid grows up. He got two brothers, you know. One of them grows up, the younger grows up and says, You know, Dad, I'm tired of hanging out here in the farm. I want to go do something exciting. Sounds like the millennial generation, right? Yeah. Except they always come back home. Don't forget that. Hopefully. They do. I got one living at home right now. Anyway. <laughs> and he goes to the father and says, I want to take off. I want to do something. So his father sells it all and divides everything with both brothers. Now that was not the inheritance route. The inheritance route was that the older brother got the greater share of everything, right? But the father was fair. He gave it to both. That's your heavenly father. He's always fair, right? So, the kid packs up, heads off for the promised land. I don't know if it was a casino in the UP or where it was. I don't know. But he is gone. And he is there just partying down, partying down, partying down. And I don't know if you study. have you studied economics? If you study economics, they're going to tell you there are, there are cycles. You're going to eventually hit a recession. It's going to come. That's right. But what they didn't tell us that we were going to hit a depression in 2008, right? But we got through it so far with more debt spending. I don't want to go back there again. Anyway. <laughs> he takes off. Recession sets in. He's got all kinds of friends. You know, they're partying down on his money. Good times. Recession sets in and wow. The people all scatter. You really know who your friends are when things get tough. Oh, yes, you do. 
And so here he is now. He's broke. He's out of money. No place to stay. So he, he got to get a job. And the only thing he can do is find this farmer who will allow him to feed the pigs. And so he's out there feeding the pigs with husks. He's too honest. Now this is a Hebrew boy feeding pigs. Should not happen. All right? And so he's out there. He's too honest to even eat the husks himself. So finally he comes to his senses. You know, that's what happens to everybody, right? He comes to his senses. He said, I'm going back home. My dad has plenty of food. He's got hired hand. He'll take care of me. Now, he knew something about his father, didn't he? He knew that his father was a good father. Do you know that your father is a good father? That when you slip up, that he'll take you back? Put his arms around you. And here he comes. He's coming down the lane. Any of you ever live on a farm? No? Yeah? Yeah. I, I, used, to live, I used to live on a farm and I have to ride the school bus home. And, and I'd have to get off the bus and I'd go up a hill and down a hill. And I, you know, down. And then my father had a house there and my aunt had a house there. And we had the whole road pretty much there. And so I can just picture this farmer sitting there on that porch. And he is looking out day after day after day looking for this kid. You know what else he's doing? He's praying for this kid. And soon one day he sees this kid in his ragged clothes coming down over that hill. And what does he do? He says, get me the whip. I'm going to take care of this boy. I mean, he took all my stuff and he went and squandered it, right? No, he goes racing out there and... And the kid starts into his predetermined speech. You know, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven, and I'm not worthy to be your son. Just make me as one of the hired hands. And the father throws his arms around him, and he says, forget that. And he takes off his robe and covers those rags. Puts the ring on his finger. And then he makes him go live in the bunkhouse, right? No. No, he doesn't. Now let me ask you something. Did the kid save himself? Did the kid have to indenture his service to his father to get back into his grace and be saved? No. Let me tell you something. I'm going to say this very carefully, but very carefully now, salvation is a gift. It was an expensive gift because Christ had to die to procure it. And I don't know if you've read about what happened on that cross, but it was a horrible death. More horrible than you have ever imagined, I believe. But for you and I today, we need to understand that we are not saved by our works. We are saved by grace through faith. And that is the free gift of God. Let's look at a couple passages here. Paul writes, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ not by the works of the law, of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Then he writes, for by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Even the faith is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. That's basic salvation 101. But you'd be surprised how many people can get that confused. I've heard administrators say, that they were saved by their faith and their works. And I say, no, you're saved by a faith that works. Right? Now you say, that's semantics, Leroy. That's semant no, it's not semantics. It is gospel. 
You get it confused and you can end up in the wrong place. Notice what she says. I ask, how can I present this matter as it is? The Lord imparts all the powers. How much of it? All the grace, all the penitence, all the inclination, even, even the desire to be saved, God gives you. All the pardon of sins in presenting his righteousness for man to grasp by living faith, which is also the gift of God. Now, notice this thing. I've read this years ago. It has never left my mind. If you would gather together everything that is good and holy and noble and lovely in man. Now, notice she's saying those things are in man. And then present the subject to the angels of God as acting a part in the salvation of the human soul or in merit. The proposition would be rejected as what? Can't take away from that cross. That cross is what gets us to heaven. But it's kind of like tension, isn't it? Can I say that? We're not saved by our works, but you can't earn salvation by it. One more concept there. The dangerous concept number two is I'm not saved by my works, so I don't need works. I don't have to worry about works. Huh? Yeah. And notice, we're going to look at three parables here. The parable of the ten virgins. What do you know about these ten virgins? They all had lamps. Were all their lamps burning bright? For a while. For a while. But what happened? That the well, they went out. But but what? <laughs> He might have had inspiration to begin with. What is the goal? Why do they need the lights to begin with? Okay, lights illuminate. The bridegroom was laid. The lights were burning, but they were illuminating. But you know, there wasn't any extra oil. And so some of the lamps went out. Five of the lamps went out. Five had these little jars, you know, these little flasks of extra oil. And they could dump it in and keep those lamps going. But the five that didn't, what happened to them? They went to get some. They went to get some oil. And who came in the interim? You guys are so smart. You know all these stories, right? Don't worry. We're going to get into some stuff I don't think you know in just a minute. You may fool me. All right. They went to get some oil. And and when they come back, the door is shut. You know, we got a shut door policy here now. Diana closed it. And it's locked. And if anybody's going to get in, they're going to have to knock. And she's going to have to let them in. And when they come back, they knock on the door. And what happens? They don't get a response. Okay. That's the virgin. Then there's a parable of the eight talents. Right? One, five, one, two, one, one. Well, that was, that would be 15. Yeah, okay. One had five. Five, two, and one. One had one, one had one, one had two, and one had five. Let me do it that way. It's a little better. The parable of the eight talents. How many of those talented people were faithful? Two. The one with the five and the one with the two. And what did God do? They doubled them, and he sent them out, gave them the talents, and he gave them a a real good... uh, review on what they've done. What about the one with the one? What did he do with that one talent? He hid it in the earth. Now, whose talent was it that he hid? 
Was it his talent? No. Here's the point. Salvation is free. The gifts we receive are free. Right? Yes. What is it of ours? Nothing. Nothing. That anyone should boast. Okay, now we're going to go into an, uh, a little bit heavier version here, okay? Now notice, here's the lessons. The wise virgins had a personal relationship with Jesus, right? The redeemed employ God's talents to build up his kingdom. Isn't that, wasn't that one of the parables? Now the works of the sheep and goats clarifies the relationship of faith and works. How does that work? Well, the parable of the sheep and goats, you know it. When the Son of Man comes, Right? When he comes, all the nations are gathered before him. Everybody. And then he separates them into how many camps? What's it say? And he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. So there's going to be a great divide. Sheep on the right, goats on the left. He'll set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Now, which camp do you want to be in? I want to be in the right. That's right. We want to be in the right one. Now, notice. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, that word prepared in the Greek is a little bit more nuanced in the Greek language. In the Greek language, the word prepared... It's in what they call the perfective tense. That tense is completed action in past time, which the results remain with you to the present time. I'm trying to make it as simple as possible for you. Okay? So, to translate it that way, you would say, inherit the kingdom which was prepared for you back then and which you have remained in until now. So what does that mean? Well, it means they made their way into the kingdom through baptism, profession of faith. They made their way in like that, and then they stayed in that profession, in that relationship with Jesus until he comes. You all doing that? Huh? Yes. That is extremely important. Otherwise, you can end up on the wrong side. Okay? Now notice, these are people that have a saving relationship with Jesus, but do they exhibit works? What's it say? For I was hungry, and you gave me drink. Hungry, and food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Oh, that's works, isn't it? Yes. Is that community services works? Yes. Huh? Yes. Do you feed the hungry? Do you clothe the naked? Do you give water to the thirsty? Do you have prison ministry? Yes. Oh, this is ACS stuff. And you know what? When Jesus comes, he says, you know, you guys were good ACS people. Now, was that because it was you? No. Or is that because Jesus was living in you? That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Now, we got to be careful. And here's the carefulness. I'm, you know, this is the off record. You didn't hear this. I'd have shut the tape recorder off, but I won't. We've got to be careful because we've got a lot of things going on. 
Right? Right. Bible study offer, Revelation Online, and they are good things. We've got ACS drives going. We've got food being given out. Isn't that good? Yes. That's real, real, real good. But you know what? No matter how many good things we got going, they do not save us. That's right. Amen. And we got to be careful we don't start putting notches in our Bible for everything that we do. That's right. We need to do that stuff because people, and I want to say something else. This is my day. I pastored for 18 years, so I, I, I get the right for this point. When we see these people come to our centers, when we see these people on the street, sometimes it can get a little frustrating if you're working and you're, you know, and you're tired. And, but we need to look at those people as people. You know what I mean? They're people like you and I. They're people in need. I told you the story of the bum. You know my, my encounter with him in D.C. That set me on the route, route to community service. I eventually married the community services leader, although she wasn't then. But I've had him come into my churches. And you know, I want to tell you something. You can say, oh, here comes this pest again. Or you can say, this person needs help. Needs help. That's right. Right? Yes. They need my help. I can make my hands and my feet work for Jesus here. I can reach out and touch them. Even if I only say a kind word to them. The way they look and the way they act, people probably shun them. They don't want anything to do with them. But I tell you what, if Jesus was here, he'd be with them. Amen. He'd be trying to help them understand you have value. I want you to live like you have value. I'll help you. When you look at this, we got to be careful. You know, we, we're, we're, we're real big on keeping statistics. Oh, we did X number of evangelistic meetings, and that's not bad. Or we even gave out so many pieces of clothing. That's not bad. But let's not get proud about it. Right? The thing that will kill the Spirit of Christ working with us is pride. And we got these records on how many people we baptized. I, had, I used to go... Uh, in another conference, when I was pastoring, they used to have a monthly let's get together meeting with the president. It wasn't this, pre it wasn't this president. Don't you go tell Jay I said it was him. <laughs> but we'd go to this office and they would actually literally read the baptismal count for the month. They would say, all right, Leroy shows you had two baptisms this month. Is this right? Well, you know what? They just told everybody how many baptisms I had. And if you happen to be of the right ethnic persuasion and, you know, they, the baptismal people just kind of fell into the pool for you, well, you got all these big numbers, and then if you were like some of the rest of us, the numbers weren't so big. And it got to be a competitive type of thing. And it dreaded to go to workers' meetings. 
Because I want to see people that are discipled, not numbers. I'm thankful here. I think our pastors are quite careful. You know, you get some slip through once in a while. I've had that happen to myself. But we ought to be looking at these people as people, and we ought to also be helping them find relationships in the body. I can tell you a story. I wasn't always an Adventist. In fact, I was 25 when I became an Adventist, and I told you about my story at, at Social Security Administration where I was in this room with these two strange-looking guys, and they turned out to be Seventh-day Adventists. <laughs> and they witnessed to me, and I read my way around, and finally I got into the church. But I'll tell you, it's very difficult for people coming in from the world, and I'm testifying here, to stay in. Because you're just learning to walk. It's like a new baby, you know what I mean? And here you have all these temptations coming back. You're given Bible studies, you've got to remember this. People that you're working with, the devil's going to be working with them too. He's going to be working against you every step of the way. Actually, in preaching one Sabbath, I had one of my, my new baptisms from an evangelistic meeting with Ted Strunch. You know him? He's here. He and I started working together in Ohio. This guy came up and tried to take over my pulpit on Sabbath morning. I had to have no, no, the guy. Strunz, I would have given the pulpit to gladly. I had to literally have the deacons carry him out of the church. And he's going out shouting all the way. But this is what the devil does. All right? So anyway, um, I just got basically baptized, and I was, or no, I was actually studying. I hadn't been baptized yet, and I met this tall young guy in, in the ABC bookstore in Tacoma, uh, Tacoma Park, Maryland. And he came up to me and started talking. And I was just wishing, I just wanted to sneak in there, get some more literature, and, and get out. Because those guys, when I left Social Security Administration, when they witnessed to me, they gave me books. I read them all. You can see what happened. All right, it worked. But anyway, I was in there trying to get more information. This tall guy walks up to me, he starts talking to me. Finally, he says to me, he says, do you want to study the Bible? And I thought, man, I can get rid of him now. Watch. I said, yeah, yeah, no problem. But I'm on my way out of town to Rhode Island. i got to sit between the Navy and the town of Pawtucket because they're fighting. I work for GAO, uh, Government Accountability Office. I work for, actually for Congress. And so I said, I won't be around for a while. And whew, I got out of there. Well, I finally said to the Lord, Lord, send somebody around to get me baptized. And I got this call from him. Let me go to church. So I go out. I get in the car with him on Sabbath morning. You know, I told the Lord to send somebody around. And I'm driving down the road, and I look. He has his brother and his father up front, and we're, we're in the back. And I'm looking at them talking, and they said, well, what have you been reading? So I told them. And finally, I saw the driver look at the passenger, and he smiled. I said, where do I? I've seen that guy before. And then it hit me, because I'd read The Beast, the Dragon, and the Woman. Have you ever read that book? No? Get a hold of it. It's good. By a guy by the name of Joe Cruz. If you didn't know Joe Cruz, you missed a good guy. Joe was a straight shooter, right down the line, but he was also a very nice guy. And his son was sitting next to me, and his name was Larry. Well, what happened was, I was so new that Larry knew I needed help. So I got baptized, and Larry then took me, we moved into a house together. I was single at that time, so was he. And he helped me get through that. And you know, I got to tell you, there were some ups and downs in that. But you know, sometimes when people trip and stumble, say, "Oh well, they're gone," you know. 
No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. They've tripped and stumbled. That doesn't mean they're gone. What they need is somebody who's very kind, very loving, to walk over there and take them by the shoulder, the hand, whatever, and say, okay, time to get up and get going again. Right? Now, if it was your son or daughter, you hear me? If it was your son or daughter, wouldn't you want somebody to do that for them? Yeah, I used to think I knew it all. Had it all figured out. Then I found out I didn't really know anything. Then I had kids. I was sure I knew how to raise kids. And I can tell you right now, I got two of them that I don't even know what to do except to pray. I'm there too. And I want to tell you, they're good kids. I'm a well, relatively, anyhow. They haven't hit my record yet, which is good. But I wasn't an Advent. I wasn't a Christian. But God is merciful. Amen. So what I'm saying to you folk is, you see that face there when they come into the center? That's a person. Yeah. Oh, it's not just another customer like at Walmart. I'll ring them up and get them out of here. That is a human being. And that is a human being that Christ has sent to you. That doesn't mean that you can get them into a... First thing people want to do is engage somebody in a Bible study. All right, you can try that. But you might just want to slip them some literature like you do in your bags, right? And send them home. You know what? People can read. God can move them. Now, there may be some that come in and say, I really want to study the Bible. Well, hey, yeah. let's do it, right? If they check for... Yeah. If they want classes yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Because some of those folk are going to end up like these sheep. They're going to say to you, you know, I was naked. I had to come to your center and get some clothes. And you know, this nice lady just said to me, how are you doing today? How's your family? Can I pray with you? Hmm? I'm going to put some literature in here. This is going to tell you about the love of Jesus. Don't be afraid to witness. Only Jesus can melt hearts. I can't. So, then, let God take over. God took me through that whole routine. I mean, I spent, I don't know, it was a year reading and studying on my own. I had no contact with Seventh-day Adventists until I ran into Larry Cruz. After my pastor came and Joe was out of town, I wanted him to baptize me. Of course, we always want, you know, people to baptize us that are, you know, like the stature of Joe Cruz. But, you know, my local pastor baptized me. He was a very nice guy. And I'll never forget that day. But I had basically read the literature, studied it, and I was ready for baptism. I want to tell you, don't be afraid to witness. You say, oh, this person doesn't want to know about Christ. You may be the only one who will ever tell them about Christ. Go right at it. And if they, you know, I've never seen anybody jump back. Oh, yeah, I did have one guy. I went and knocked on a door in Chicago. And the guy opened the door, and I said, well, hey, we're out here telling people about Jesus Christ. He said, yeah, I don't want to hear about it. And he started to shut the door. Well, I was stupid enough, I put my foot in the door. <laughs> he didn't hurt it. But it stopped the door. And I said, and he finally said, well, you don't want to talk to me. I'm an atheist. I said, oh, yes, I do. <laughs> you know, I don't, he, I don't know if he ever came to the meetings or not. 
but I was able to tell him about Jesus. So what I'm saying to you is, your mission is not to give out clothes, although that's part of it. Your mission is not even to cook a meal, although that's part of it. Your mission is to help people find Jesus. Amen. That's what your mission is. Now, when I was in the army, we had a lot of things going on, but there was always the mission. What's that? What so Jesus has done for you, right? I under I agree, but I'm just telling you that we need to build relationships with these people, also, right? Because if you don't build that relationship, what are they going to do? Oh, yeah, I got this piece of paper. I'll throw it away. But if they look at that piece of paper and say, you know, that nice lady at the center gave me this. I'm going to go home and read it. Because there was something about her that I just can't get past. I sat with those two strange guys at Social Security Administration. And every time I look at them, their faces were glowing. Well, you know, I wasn't on that trip. I can tell you that right now. But I knew they had something that I needed. Does your face glow? Hmm? Do you smile and radiate the love of Christ? You try. Just say a silent prayer and say, Lord, you know, it's, this is not one of my better days. But with you in me, we can do this. Amen. Sheep and the goats. We're not done yet. Hang on. I'm sure I'll find some other thing that I need to talk to you. But anyway, they're gathered there. <laughs> and notice what the righteous say to them. Now, here's, here's the key. Do you think they were saved by Jesus? The sheep. Were they saved? But now notice, did they have works? He just commended them for their works, right? Right. But what's their attitude? Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty or give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? Are they saying, man, I, are they checklisted? You know, I went to prison the other day and I did X number of... Huh? I gave out 20 pieces of clothing. Now, there's nothing wrong with keeping records. I want to be careful here. Okay? But is that what their mission is? No. no. Their mission is to reach hearts for Jesus. Amen. You know, when did we see you, Lord? Now, obviously, they didn't see Jesus. But who did they see? The needy, the poor, the sick. And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. I've run into a few of those people. I will tell you something. I've always been very, tried to be very gracious when I'm carrying cash to help people if they have need. Now, I imagine I've gotten taken a few times. You know what I mean? I didn't ask them to see their bank balance. Of course, the way they looked, they probably didn't have a bank balance. But when they came saying, you know, I, need, I, I either, if I had cash and I didn't smell alcohol or tobacco, I would give them some cash and tell them to go on their way. If I did, 
Then I'd take my credit card down and I'd buy them a sandwich, get them whatever they needed. I think we need to understand that sometimes God tests us. Sometimes those angels come. And they don't look like we think they should look, right? And so we need to be responsive. Because when we do something for them, it's like doing it for Jesus. When we feed, when we feed the sick and the hungry, when we help the stranger. You know, you see somebody walking around and he looks lost or whatever. And now I know it's dangerous today, right? I never advocate picking people up in your car, this kind of thing. I'm, I'm not going to advocate that. But when you're somewhere where you feel that, you know, somebody's not going to be a threat to your life, don't be afraid to say hello. Give them some sunshine, right? Strangers, taking them in. I'm careful with that one. But I know people that will just, anybody they see, they invite home. To me today, this, this is a very dangerous society. You want to be careful with that. But there are other places you can take them if they need a place to stay. And I think that's a place to sort it out. If you're sick, one of the ministries that I liked as a pastor was going to visit the sick. Because they were always appreciative of you coming by. And uh, I've actually, I told you, did I ever tell you the story of Charlie when I went to the hospital? They thought he was going to die and he's laying on his bed there. and, And I'm his pastor and I go up into the hospital and He's not a member of my church, but his wife and his kids are. Did I tell you that story? Well, I go in there. This is in East Liverpool, Ohio, in case you're wondering where that is. And I go up into the hospital, and, I'm, and Diana's with me, and we go into Charlie's room, and we say hi to Charlie. And I'd never really met him before. But, uh, you know, they're saying he's dying, so I, as a pastor, I'm going to do my pastorally duty. And so I said to Charlie before I left, I said, Charlie... How is it with you and the Lord? I figured I'm going to invite this man to accept Jesus. And he railed off at me. Boom! And I, you know, that's kind of, I'm a young pastor. I'm very young pastor. Not maybe in age, but in, in work experience. And so I just, okay, Charlie, let's pray together. You know, that's the way you always get out of it. Let's pray together. So I prayed with him. And before we gave him a chance to respond, she and I said, we'll see you, Charlie. And out the door we went and we walked down the steps and said, we really blew that one. Well, I'm in church two weeks later. I'm preaching away. I usually, you know, East Liverpool is not a big church. It was, you know, 40, 50 members. And I'm looking in the back. And I see this old man sitting back there. You know, I'm preaching. I'm thinking to myself while I'm preaching, who is that guy? I don't know him. So when we're all done, we back to the receiving line and people are coming through and I'm shaking hands. And I look up and lo and behold, here comes Charlie. He's 86 years old or something like that. And he is walking. But what I didn't tell you is, no, I'm getting ahead of the story. Let me go back. I'm, you know, this is the old brain. We leave that hospital room. I figure I'm never going to hear from Charlie again. I get a phone call about two weeks later, is what it was. And it's his son. And his son says to me, Leroy, can you, Pastor, he called me Pastor, can you come to our house? What's wrong? He said, Well, you need to come because my dad's here and he wants to get baptized. 
Now, this is the guy that just railed me out of the hospital room. And I'm saying, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and so we get in the car. Well, we got in the car and boom, up the highway. We lived about, what, 30 miles away? And we go in and there's Charlie. He's laying on the bed. And, and I'm talking to him and he says, I said, Charlie, I said, you know, I'm going through the 27 fundamentals with him. And I said, now, Charlie, you want to get baptized, right? He said, yeah, I do. He said, but I don't think I'm ever going to get out of this house. Can't come to church to get that. I said, oh, that could create a problem. So I go into their bathroom, and they've got a bathtub. And this guy, if he's a day, he's this tall. And he's probably what, 200 pounds? He's more than that. I don't know. <laughs> and so I said to the son, I said, Rich, you're going to have to help me here. We're going to take your dad, we're going to put him into the bathtub, and we are going to baptize him. Amen. He said, yeah? I said, yeah. yeah. And so we rolled some water into that tub. We both got Charlie. We lifted him up as much as we could. We carried and, carried and drug him, because he was big, over to the bathtub, laid him in there. His feet went straight up the wall. <laughs> His feet were never baptized. <laughs> it's all right but he is there and he just fits to lay down in that tub and so I said Charlie it is my honor now to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit amen and I laid him back under that water in that bathtub just barely got his nose on <laughs> and brought him back up that's the only one I've ever done like that. And so we then take Charlie dry. He gets all dried off and we put him back on his bed. And I figure the next thing I'm going to do is get called to his funeral. Like I said, a couple weeks later, I'm sitting in church. Look back. And there he sits. <laughs> and he comes walking out with his cane. Not only God, not only was baptized, he was healed in that process. And believe me, I had nothing to do with it. And it was interesting. His whole family decided to leave the church. They got all upset at the trust department at the conference. Listen, you ever get upset with us at the conference? Come over and talk to us. All right? They got all upset, and this was a different conference. I've been in four now, so I'm not going to tell you which one they are. But anyway, they got upset with them, and they decided to leave the church. But Charlie was faithful to the day I left there. My guess is he was faithful till the day he died. He knew that God had put his hand on him. So, visiting the sick. You never know what God's going to do. That's right. Sometimes they raise him up. Sometimes they don't. Visit him in prison. I remember going down here to Jackson to see a guy when I was pastoring. And the guard said to me, this is maximum security. He says, I'm going to take you places you'll probably never ever see again in your life and you won't want to see again. And he took me right down into the bowels of that prison. I walked by, I could see the people in their cages and that's literally what they were. Hardened criminals. Took me up through. I had a guy who was going to be sentenced for 5 to 15 for criminal sexual conduct. He got that sentence and he went away, but I met with him that day in maximum security. Visited him in prison. Good ministry. 
We have a lot of Seventh-day Adventists who do that ministry, by the way. Good ministry. You know, you can't write people off because they make mistakes. Right. Sometimes that's the only way they can learn. That's the only way we do, right? Yeah. Jesus says, you know, inasmuch as you have done it to one of these, the least of my brethren, you have done it unto me. Dangerous concept number two, we do not need works to be saved. Well, let me say this. Works will not save us. But I tell you what, we cannot become a pew-sitting church. If Christ is in our heart, there will be works. Now, we're going to deal with that in just a minute. Notice. But there's another group there called the goats. What does he say to them? Hmm? Then he will also say to those on his left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was hungry and you gave me no food, I was thirsty and you gave me no drink, I was a stranger and you did not take me in, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, you did not visit me. And then they will also answer him saying, Lord, when? Now tell us when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Tell us, Jesus, when did that happen? Now if you'd have walked in with a robe on that said Jesus on it, they probably would have all done it, right? But for what purpose? Yeah. But when they saw somebody who was in need, somebody who was sick, they were like the Levite. They just passed on the other side. Look, I want to tell you something. Jesus is interested in people. When you're hurting, he's hurting. When you're in need, he's hurting. And he has solutions. But he is interested in people. The bottom line, Jesus didn't come to save numbers. He came to save people. Now, I want to suggest to you that you ought to go do Revelation Unlocked. You ought to do Bible study offer. But you ought to really not think about, well, I can get a baptism here. What you want to think about is I can make a disciple for Jesus. I can make a friend. I can make someone who will be in heaven with us. And I can be their friend. Right? What's this, what did they say about the early church? See how they love one another. These are the pagans writing. Man, what a difference the world would be if the pagans would see that in every church member of every denomination. Right? We always think Adventists are the only ones that are going to get to heaven, right? Uh, no, if that's true, then William Miller wouldn't be there. Martin Luther wouldn't be there. That's right. Right? Right. Now, Adventists should have a step up. They ought to be the most, most a lot of them ought to be Adventists. But there's good Lutherans out there. There's good Baptists. Hey, you know there's even some good Catholics? Yes, there is. There are some very devout Catholics. Yes. They would surrender their life for Jesus. Just... Tough that their leadership is so confused, right? That's tough. These guys, okay, when do we see you, Lord? I mean, we, surely you're mistaken. It wasn't us. Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me, and you know what happens to them. They go away. Six parables, two dangerous concepts. I can save myself by my... 
works. I can earn salvation by my works. Now we're bringing it home right now. It's not we any longer. It's I do not need works to be saved. Two dangerous concepts. Truth lies very close to error in those concepts. So be careful you don't get confused. Now let's notice. We are saved by grace through faith, not by our own works. Cross of Calvary saved. We respond by faith. That faith is a gift from God. Okay? There's the saving grace. You read about Jesus on the cross and the way the devil tormented him. Broke his heart. You know, I don't know that kind of love, people. I really don't know that kind of love. I know the love that you have as a human being for another human being, but I don't know the kind of love that can say to my persecutors, I love you in spite of the fact that you're hurting me, that you're killing me. I don't know that love. But we need to know that because very soon that may be where we are at. Right? Now, here are those who got it reversed. Here are those who did not understand that I can't save myself by my works. And here are those that do not understand that if you have salvation, works will come naturally through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Notice this. These are people that come to Jesus when it's all over. It's done. He's here. Won't that be nice? Huh? We can go to heaven. Notice what it says. Many will come to me in that day. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your... Who are these people? These are religious people. Prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name. Miracles is the translation of wonders. Now, wouldn't you think they would be the right people? But what, what does he say? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Ye that work, well, I'm using the old King James. You who practice lawlessness. Here's the thing on this one. They didn't have a relationship with Jesus, but they thought they did. They thought they did. Yeah. Now, we know the devil's going to be very smart in the end time, isn't he? He's going to do all kinds of signs and wonders and lying signs and wonders. Our only defense is to know the Word of God and to know God. We will be lost without that. What did Jesus, when he was tempted, what did he respond with? Philosophy? It is written. It is written. Are you studying every day? Can you, can you be an effective worker for God if you don't study every day? Huh? Now let me ask you another question. Are you asking God to send somebody by your, across your path that day that you can talk to him, that person about Jesus? Why don't you try that? Just say, Lord, you know, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want somebody today I can talk to about Jesus. That's my prayer. Every day. Every day. Every time I go out or And you can talk to him. Come to my house. Before witnesses came the other day, we wanted to give Oh, I bet that was interesting. Oh, they come very often, but they don't keep track. 
So they come often and often. Maybe they think if they keep coming, they'll get you. I said, oh, you just found me. I'm studying the Bible. I give Bible lessons. Would you like to share some? And they kind of think about that. Anyway, they did share something. You shared at least the word that we talked about. And uh, I thank them for coming. Amen. See, we need to be we need to be kind to even Jehovah's Witnesses, and they can be very unkind if they want to be. Amen. Very unkind. I've run into them. I won't tell you all about that, but it happens. All right, they got it reversed. Now, notice you cannot be saved by your works. However, our works what? Testify, Testify to God's grace working in us and through us. It's like an apple tree produces. Fruit, because it's an apple tree. Does it work at it? No, it just happens naturally. All right. So, we will be allowing Jesus to work in us and through us to reach out to the human family. I don't know why Jesus loves people like he does. I mean, he likes some of the worst people I don't think there's anybody he doesn't love. He doesn't like what they do, do, though, right? I've often wondered, you know, with this battle between the Muslims and everything, is there any hope for some of these people because they are hardened? You know what I mean? But you know what? Jesus loves them. And you and I need to try to reach out to the hardest people and try to bring them to Jesus. So be careful not to get it reversed. Don't think that you can say, save yourself. By, I can go to church on Sabbath. I can give literature out. I can, I can even run Revelation Unlocked, you know, and, and just look at me. No, that's not where it is. That's you that you're trying to, yeah. I'm trying to convince him. And the other thing is, you know, the, the liberalism says, hey, it doesn't matter. We can violate the Sabbath. We can do whatever we want because we're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace, and it doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Because if Christ is living in us, will he live out his own law? Absolutely. Absolutely. Ah, this is one of my favorite. I've actually memorized this. I won't try to repeat it from memory because every time I get in front of people, I get stage fright and I, I forget the words. But notice what it says. This is what's coming, okay? In, in visions of the night, representations passed before me of a great reformatory movement among God's people. Now, who are God's people? That's us. Many were... What are they doing? Now, why in the world would you start off about a great reformatory movement by talking about people praising God? Who are they giving the credit to? God. They're giving it to God. The sick were healed. Now, here's a, here's a dichotomy, isn't it? Think about it. We're always told that the devil knows how to heal. Right? Okay, so now what do you do in this case? When the sick are healed by God, how do you know who's doing the healing? Ooh, that's a sticky one, isn't it? It's a sticky one. 
I don't know that that's a judgment seat I want to climb on. I'm going to be honest with you. The sick are being healed, I'm going to be praising God. And other miracles were wrought. Now, it doesn't say what miracles were wrought, but it says other miracles were wrought. A spirit of intercession. What's intercession? Prayer. Prayer. Do you pray for the people you know, the people around you, the people you love, the people you don't love? That's right. Yes, you do. Especially those you don't love. Jesus said we ought to pray for our enemies, right? Yes. The spirit of intercession was seen even as it was manifest before the great day of Pentecost. That's when they went up there, locked themselves in the room, and they didn't come out before they had it. Hundreds and thousands were seen visiting families and opening before them the Word of God. I'm hoping this is BibleStudyOffer.com. I'm serious. Somewhere people have to learn the Word. Hearts were convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit. And a genuine conversion spirit, spirit of conversion was manifest. She could have just walked by. She didn't have to duck. <laughs> On every side, doors were thrown open to the presentation of God. Would that include Russia and China and all those places? I don't know. The world seemed to be lightened with the heavenly influence. Great blessings were received by the true and humble people of God. Now, there you go. The true and humble people of God. I heard voices of thanksgiving and praise, and there seemed to be a reformation such as we witnessed in 1844. About time for that, don't you think? Yes. Isn't about time for that? And I think it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then Jesus is going to come. Amen. Then we're going to a better place. Amen. So, look up. Jesus is inviting us all to be there. But right now, we've got to be His hands, His feet, His eyes, His ears. We've got to reach out and touch those who are hurting. We've got to help those who are in trouble. We've got to be like Jesus. The thing with you folk as community services workers, you love to do all that helping people, but don't forget, you need to teach them about Jesus too. Amen. Right? Don't be afraid to share Jesus. They're going to say, why are you so different? That's Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, you are awesome. We have tremendous times coming before us. Times which will not only try our very soul, but which will prepare us to walk with you in heaven. So I want to pray for every person that's here, Lord. Every person on this campground. May we be like Jesus. That's our prayer. May we be like Jesus. And may we glorify you. And we thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.